Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is your host, Tim Birch. Once again, on the road. It seems like we've been on the road uh, doing some of these podcasts quite a bit lately and there's a good reason that we're picking up some of these great conversations because I'm actually here in St. Louis. Actually, I think Maryland Heights is the tr- tech, is truly the, the suburb, but St. Louis, uh, we're at the Missouri uh, Society of Professional Surveyors Annual Conference, and I come across an old friend, and we actually end up getting put on the same panel discussion, uh, talking about various aspects of the surveying profession, and some of it was Missouri-specific, but... Um, David and I, are being from Illinois, we're, we're a little bit more broad, a little more Illinois-based, but uh, we were able to talk about some things. So my guest today is David Sherrill, uh, a longtime Illinois contributor, um, former L- NSPS governor um, as well, a couple, uh, couple behind uh, behind me. And now, uh, what? okay, tell you what, David, let's just do a little introduction. What's your, what's your current role at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville? Well, currently, uh, I'm the coordinator for the uh, land surveying program. Uh, I've been there about 17 years, uh, uh, licensed in 1979. uh, uh, I'm licensed in six states, and so being invited into Missouri is kind of common. Um, But uh, my responsibilities there is I'm teaching approximately four classes, uh, boundary survey, uh, legal principles, I teach the engineering graphics, uh, and then usually uh, I'll go between legal and boundary, uh, and also the fundamental surveys. Okay, well like every surveyor, they've got a story of how they got into surveying. What's David Sherrill's story of how did you get into surveying, and how did you get to the point where you're basically a full-time educator now? Well, I started in, uh, actually I got out of high school actually in 1971. Uh, that makes me the old guy there at the college. <laughs> and uh, what I, I went in, I was looking at engineering and architectural when I went to college. And uh, I saw the surveyors, uh, the class survey class, and I said, you know, I, I would like to try to try that. But there was no degree at that particular time. And so I went through mine uh, in civil and then decided uh, I went to work for someone. But I still had an interest in surveying. Um, so I worked for about three or four years uh, for a variety of engineering firms and also doing, ba- I was actually out doing survey work, both uh, mostly design surveys, uh, but had a component of boundary. And then a, a young engineer told me, he said, David, he said, you really need to go back, uh, finish some schooling. Uh, you have a desire in that. So uh, I did, and I went into an assistantship and then I finished my, my degree. And when I got out, I was really decided I wanted to be a surveyor at that particular point. I took some classes at Iowa State and U of I, and they were both survey-related uh, 
classwork. And then um, I actually, like I said, I taught as an assistantship, so that was my first experience. But I, didn't, I realized that that probably wasn't the income range that I that I wanted. Uh, I had I wanted to really get into the private sector and have experience. So I worked for many years, um, and I was very involved with the state association in Absolutely. Illinois and yep. in Missouri. And I saw that the surveyors were kind of uh, they did not have parity with the engineers. We were usually the first to be let go. Uh, if there was slowdown, we were out washing the trucks or painting the building or something. And I said, I thought, you know, they're, we're kind of technicians, uh, the way this is said. And uh, then there was a case in Florida that said, indicated that really to be licensed or to be uh, a professional, you needed a four-year degree. And it was in a specific court case where actually a land surveyor uh, got out of a case because... Uh, they were after him for his professional, but the court, uh, the court case indicated that you had to have a four-year degree to be a professional. Yeah. And so that was the that was the start of us working in the association to change our uh, requirements to be a licensed surveyor in Illinois. And I and what I was really surprised was is the Illinois was pretty progressive in that is that even though most of the people did not have a degree. Uh, they saw the same uh, thing that I was talking about is that we did not really have the respect and parity. And so we looked at the legislation in 79, worked to 89, uh, got the legislation through. And uh, once that happened, uh, it took a little while. There was a, a process between probably a 10-year period between it going into effect that we started then getting a students and it started in Carbondale uh, because they had a program and so uh, I still see a need that we needed in another school uh, so uh, I was asked at, at Southern if I would come in and teach some classes and before I knew it the, the program closed in Carbondale and the program then was switched to SIU uh, so uh, then I started going around to schools, uh, talking to people. I had an opportunity to talk to the engineering students, uh, both in construction, uh, civil, then uh, also from the geography side. And they started, started creating an interest for them to be surveyors. They real, realized that there was also another career path. Right. And so uh, it grew from there. It started with maybe three or four students. Uh, and now we're up to about 45 or 50. Nice. And what, what I've seen is, and why I'm here in Missouri is, is they do not have a degree requirement. And they're individuals that are testing uh, for their, uh, the fundamentals. And then their, their professional survey test uh, has continued to decrease. And so I've been talking to them about the difference between Illinois and Missouri, and the reason I feel that they, they're losing out on individuals' interest in surveying is the kids see no path. Right. Uh, and I should say students, but it, for me, I'm a little older, so <laughs> they're kids, but I try to be careful with that at the school. 
But uh, some statistics is that they were less than 30 students, 30 individuals that took the fundamentals exam. And it's in the same range for uh, the uh, PLS test, mm -hmm. professional survey test. And half of those that are taking that are from another state. Right. So much risk for us. So the know. difference between that and Illinois, the volume is considerably larger. And why? Is because the, some of the surrounding states do require a bachelor's, and the students are starting to see there's another career path. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, I guess that was part of what uh, what really intrigued me about our conversation on our panel was you know you brought up those statistics, and um, it, I guess it kind of comes back to well, you are leading the horse to water, and they are starting to drink it. That whereas a state like here, like Missouri and others that do not have that educational requirement, like you said, if you don't give them a pathway, they can't see an end goal. They can't see where, where we truly need, they need to go, we need them to go. Correct, Tim. I mean, you and I have been on kind of the same page. Uh, we know a lot of individuals that do not have a degree that are excellent surveyors. Uh, mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with that, it's the future. Right. Uh, and if we want to have a legacy and we want to build and we want to have surveyors have a profession, I think we need to all work toward that goal. Uh, and again, I know good surveyors that are not degreed. Uh, that's not the question. It is, what do we want to do with our profession? And are we going to be looking at prevailing wage questions. Are we professionals? Are we not professionals? Right. So we're going to have to kind of step up and make that decision uh, for the future. Well, that's just it. And in the time that you and I got licensed in Illinois and the degree requirement wasn't there, it was a different world. It was a, there were different paradigms. It's just, there's, there's so much that's shifted now. And we, we talk about professionalism, but even let's, what I'd like to go back for, for a second, early in your career, um, let's talk about the technology. Great. And how much has changed. I mean, how much you've seen in your career. I mean, so obviously you would learned a lot early on with what I guess we can call the basics. I mean, it's transits, chains. That's correct. Theodolites. I mean, there were very little electronics at that time, EDMs maybe, but you've seen so much change. So I think you've got a really good... Uh, viewpoint to say because it's changed for this technology and for this these are the these are the conditions we really need to follow now yes I yeah Tim that, I tell you uh, I started out with the transit uh, I had the first the last slide rule class uh, and we used logarithm tables so uh, I saw the just the beginning of calculators when I got out of school and uh, we were still using steel tapes uh, three-man crews, four-man crews. The technology from there is we were using T2s, then we went to uh, Red Dots or Beetles, and most of the people that are probably listening to this know what I'm talking Google, about. Google it. Google <laughs> it if you don't know what a Beetle is. It's, it's so, not a bug. And so now we have our totals. We went to total stations, and then we have a paradigm switch to... Uh, GPS receivers and that really came out strong in the 90s uh, but our students now are seeing our, the technology that we're looking at now is LIDAR uh, robotics uh, 
more advanced GPS. Uh, and so the tools that we're using uh, in instruments are, are well advanced. And there has to be an understanding of calibration and, and accuracy because you can use a very uh, tool that's precise, but you can also get in inaccurate measurements. And who, does, who needs to know that? Uh, these young surveyors coming out, uh, they're going to be using these instruments. And in the university, they're learning how to use them in advanced systems and, Good. and understanding the advanced computations. So, yes, that <clears throat> that is why. And and most of these younger people are tech savvy. They're exactly. way beyond what we were at our time, and so they're looking for those tools, including drones and so on. They kind of pass that up, but uh, hydrographic. I mean, we even have a hydrographic boat right. uh, that is. It's like a model. It's it's less than. It's another toy. Another toy. That's correct. Uh, we have a robotic dog with a scanner on it. So it's it's the technology is just really advancing. The computer hardware uh, compared to what we had uh, back in the day has continued to grow. Uh, so all those things uh, have advanced. Now what. I look at it as is we're then producing the individual that has the technology, has the understanding of technology, and now they can start learning. They get out, and then they're going to start learning. Right. Uh, from that land surveyor that knows boundary, how to look for monuments more in detail. But I can tell you in our classwork, uh, in our legal principles and boundary class, they actually go to the assessor's office in field trips and also the recorder's office and maps and plants. In our boundary class, in our labs, we connect the dots between uh, the, the text and the field where they go out and do an urban and suburban type survey, lot survey, and then they go out and do a rural survey with uh, sectionalized. So uh, they're getting the background, they're prepared, but now they're going to start learning. Right. Well, and I guess one of the complaints I still hear from the older generation of surveying is that, well, these kids aren't turning angles. They're not. They're not. They're, yeah, they're not closing traverses. They're. They're not. You know, doing it the the right way. Well, with this new technology and how things are going, and I guess that's the one that even that blows my mind now is. Uh, with the new with the new technology, you don't even have to level the pole up anymore with a lot of this the tilt That's correct. tilt right. stuff. So, I I got to believe that I mean, while it's good to know some of the, the the old the old methods for things, the new technology obviously has really changed the way we survey. That's correct. Like our like you were stating the R12s, you you can have the prism pole uh, actually at an angle now. Are they? I, with the uh, satellite antenna on it, uh, and still read to the point of the of the the pole. So yes, uh, the thing that they're going to learn after that is simply that the QAQC portion, right? That they have to check, and that should be done by a surveyor. So the older surveyors still understand that you need to check things, right? So that's that's part of our responsibility. They know how to use the the new equipment, we can then tell them that they need to also do checks. And I, I think that's uh, something that, 
that's part of our responsibility as, as licensed individuals. Hopefully then they will be better prepared using the technology and then now know that they have to have that same responsibility in producing and using a standard of care, which exactly. I, which I, I stress because uh, there's a standard of care for what we do and each area has a little bit of standard of care that Tim, you and I talked about the other day, even in Illinois, there's differences between measurements in Chicago to the Midwest, I mean, to the middle of the state, to the southern of the state. Absolutely. So, and then, believe it or not, even I've done a lot of work on the west side of Illinois, uh, Illinois River, which, which is the fourth principal meridian. There is differences in monumentation <laughs> and so on. Right. Even in those locations, because they were surveyed at different times early on. Different instructions, right. all of that stuff. So, that's a perfect segue because... Well, as an educator, but also as someone that is licensed in multiple states, but really sees it from a, from a higher level, there's so much talk about license portability and multi-state licenses and a nationwide license. From your perspective, good idea or not, what's the, what's the pitfalls of trying to create a multi-state or a national test, a national license? Simply because, of, like you said, the, the differences we're talking about right here and now. You know, I think, I think we should continue to have a jurisdictional exam. It's not the same as uh, an engineer that has a design application. I mean, there is some areas that have different considerations, uh, California earthquake or, uh, you know, different uh, soils. But as an engineer, you're going to know those different, different uh, issues about soil and, and, and building and, and either horizontal or vertical but in our we have uh, different periods of times when surveys were done uh, yes technology is the same now across the board but still the areas still that you're dealing with uh, have different conditions uh, some wooded uh, we have mining in southern Illinois uh, we have then our urban areas which are kind of specialized so uh, I would, I'm still in favor of a jurisdictional because also our laws, uh, our minimum right. standards are a little bit different. Uh, I should return to that. The minimum standards, uh, we have monuments, uh, uh, record requirements, uh, are, even our monuments, so our requirements are different than states. Uh, so I think a surveyor needs to know that. So I believe in the national test for the fundamentals. Right. And I do right. believe in a national test for computations. That's important, but a jurisdictional should, to me, remain. Okay. Any thoughts on the NCWS proposal to break it up a little, make it a little more modular to where if you are in a colonial state, you're not really taking a test that, that has much of, or if any PLSS stuff on it or vice versa. Uh, any thoughts on hearing how MCWS wants to break it up a little bit? Well, I took the uh, colonial states because I'm licensed in Kentucky, uh, so I had to take two separate tests for those back in the day. And I had no problem with that because really the meets and bounds uh, is still meets and bounds. Right. So if we're doing them in uh, Illinois, we're still doing meets and bounds even uh, that we might have a 
condition where we're dealing with a rectangular system, uh, section and, and quarter sections and so on. So I, I don't really see necessarily a need for uh, maybe breaking it out even more. Uh, I think they should have a separate test, I think, continuing for the colonial states. Sure. But if you're going to be working in the rectangular states, I think you should be taking a rectangular uh, exactly. Also. Exactly. Uh, let's let's take a step back. Then you were starting to talk about minimum standards. What's your thoughts on? Um, because obviously, fifty states, like you said, fifty different minimum standards. It's you really almost have to go and find the the lowest common denominator for a national license. Um, otherwise, if you raise it too high, you're going to exceed what some of these states minimum standards already are. Yes, I mean, you have your mountainous states uh, comparatively to our uh, plain states, uh, and so you have some issues relative to those, so the minimum standards might be a little changed, inaccuracy standard, I should say, in that case. Right. But your general minimum standards would be, would be nice to standardize, um, because uh, if we're looking at significant numbers, uh, we're adding some out to you know four places decimal. But if somebody sticks in a full foot, uh, we're going to read right. it out to the foot. Right. So uh, I think uh, the ULTA standards are a good uh, something to look at as a standard across the country, and I think that would be a nice something to consider. Uh, for all the states maybe to get together at that level and talk about a general minimums. But again, I, I think you're still gonna have separate accuracy standards and things like sure. that for uh, different areas. Sure. Well, we've talked about some of the past, much of the right here and now. What about the survey future? You're building a program for the now and for the future, what does surveying look like to, to David Sherrill, to the Ed, SIU Edwardsville program, and well, Illinois and, and a lot of you know, the whole the whole premise of, of the uh, profession of surveying? What's what's it look like? Well, I'm I'm going to kind of I'm going to try to make something uh, kind of a statement here. Uh, I've, I've kind of spent a lot of my time in career in uh, focus on that. It, and it was for a legacy purpose, not for myself, but for the profession. I love the profession. And I think that all surveyors need to probably get more involved uh, with uh, their communities and uh, the nearest educational uh, location, the high school, the colleges, and, and, and promote what we do. I think that's very important to our profession and the public and pr to protect our public and that's part of what we're supposed to be doing. And again, we're not advocates for any particular client, we're advocates for the facts, I mean for the truth, right. the evidence that we find. And this needs to be explained even more uh, to the, the general public because they look at us that we're, we work for them and we should do what they say. And, it's hard for them to understand sometimes that what we do. And so more education, I think, generally is what I'd like to see um, across the country. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Uh, Tim, help me out here. What? Um, really, where where do you see the next level of surveyors? I mean, where where do we need to go? How do we how do we change? Part of it for me is it's not getting into the to students' view and and tell them who we are and what we do. We have to change our message to fit their narrative to be able to get them into into the survey. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem is is that we we're a lot older, and so like myself talking to a younger person, I try to stay within their uh, wheelhouse. Yes, I guess I'll just put it that way. They're so tech, and they have different attitudes. And uh, I mean, we're talking four—I'm talking four generations almost back. You know, for it's me, closer, this, yeah. you know, I'm getting close to seventy. So uh, it, uh, but because I've been teaching for long enough, I've seen some changes. So that helps me uh, understand the new generation, and I think that's would be helpful for more surveyors to see that. Uh, to understand them because they still a lot of the older have, still have an expectation of them having an attitude that they should be loyal and you work 50 hours a week and whatever I tell you to do do well that's forget that right exactly uh, it's it's a different time and you have to adapt we all have to adapt so our survey profession needs to adapt to understand that we need to be able to communicate with these younger people and then them to bring in those tech tools and those things that they seem see as exciting and bring it into our profession our profession is the same boundaries boundary right uh but the tools they're using makes it exciting for them and so i think that's where where we really need to target uh and i think that's where it's going to the next step will be interplanetary uh, and other things that are going to be happening. Right. You can see technology just uh, really going fast. So, well, one last thing, I just it just kind of dawned on me because you're talking. We're talking about the future, and and it's also that continued engagement. And I think uh, I think you're a great example of where you started, where you've pushed, where you've where you continue, and, and you said trying to finish out your career. But one constant through all of that has been your involvement with the Surveying Society, uh, with your fellow surveyors. Um, can you touch on how important it is? Not so much you have to be part of a chapter and you have to go to every society meeting, but the power of networking and staying close with your fellow surveyors, your fellow contemporaries, and how much you continue to learn from your fellow surveyors as your career goes on, simply because you're staying in touch with your professional community. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, that the, the professional society is that connection. And uh, to be able to talk with the different areas, like, I'm, like a, you said, I'm licensed in multiple states, the advantage of that is to be able to talk to different professionals in different locations. Even in Illinois, I remember I worked in Northern Illinois, involved with that society, learning more about what they do and their concerns. Exactly. And then also when I was in the middle of the state, uh, from Champaign to over there by Keokuk, Iowa, a uh, small town in where I grew up in Hamilton, uh, that area 
uh, and the connection with the individuals that were in the society was important. And then when I was eventually became down with the Southwest, the continual growth of that and then connecting with the National Society uh, was ACSM, now NSPS, well, was NSPS also, but uh, that connection has always been, to me, very important. Uh, it helped me understand uh, what our profession's about, what, how people love this profession, mm -hmm. uh, and I just think it's, and to be able to tell that to the young people, I see them coming if you talk to them. If you're talking to a, your people and really talk to them about how important it is, uh, I think we can get them more involved and we do need to get them more involved. Oh, exactly. Because, you know, contrary to popular belief, introverts and extroverts isn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't invented with Gen X or the millennials. There's always been introverts. Surveyors are the definition of introverts for the most part. Um, but that power of networking, the power of working with your your, your fellow professional, your fellow serving contemporary, um, that's what I've always seen, and that's what I guess that's what's always impressed me about your involvement with the society. On top of everything else you've ever done, you've done all of your career, you've always been there for the society, and um, and I think that's that to me is a testament of where a person's career can go and how it helps them. It helps, it helps drive where they can go with their career. Yeah, I agree. And that, and I'm seeing that, the nice thing about the younger people, a lot of them are not as introverted as I think that we have been in the past because we are separate. Right. I think we now have to broaden that so that we are, I hate to use the bigger tent, I hate, I hate that expression, but mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, is we are reaching out to a broader range of, of individuals. Because in the past, a lot of times it was family. It was, you were bringing up individuals you specifically knew or trained. Right. And now we're looking at individuals that might have had a career path that are, to me is at an upper level that are learning about more about business. Like in our program, you have a minor in business. Nice. So the survey specialization, they have a minor in business be it in construction management or whatever. So those connections, I think, are kind of broad. And, and uh, so I think they're becoming out, they're coming out more prepared to be a better communicator. Right. And believe it or not, as you know, Tim, a lot of us, we're not good communicators. I mean, we knew what we're talking about. Right. Uh, but we were kind of scared to stand up and, and oh, talk about absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. We're getting better. We're, we are that took better. me about 70, what, 40 years or something. Yeah, like exactly. Well, we're better. all trying to get a little bit better. <laughs> SIU Edwardsville, the surveying program, what's next for that program? You're, you're, you're continuing to grow it. Like I said, you're getting more students. What's the next step for, for the program itself? What's, what are you growing into now? Yeah, we're, uh, we're at about 50 to 60 students in the program, uh, sophomore, junior, senior. Uh, we, it, it just seems to continue to develop. I think they're seeing that uh, the school itself, uh, we are uh, supporting the university. There's endowments, uh, a large amount of contribution between vendors and so on. 
which is pretty exciting. But I think the big thing is, is that we've been working, I've been working for about 17 years to get a full four-year degree. And with our new uh, a chair in our department, uh, we have been able to develop, along with Ann Werner, Dr. Werner, uh, she has assisted me in preparing the documentation for the program. And it was submitted uh, and now has been approved by the university system, both Southern Illinois, the Southern Illinois University System, which is Edwardsville and Carbondale, okay. have agreed to move the program forward. It's now up at IBHE uh, for final approval. Uh, and so we are expecting approval this November. Nice. Uh, 22, and that we will, along with the specialization, which provides the 24 hours of survey, uh, that uh, we'll have a full degree in, in land surveying and geomatics in 23. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm, For Illinois, that's, it's, it's been a long, long time coming, but that's, that is really exciting. And, well. and the thing I want to tell you, Tim, is uh, in the program itself is that it's focused in surveying. There's almost 36 hours of survey based, but it brings in geomatics also, geography, GIS, mapping. All the so it pieces. is all the things. And what we've done is, is we have reduced the math requirement uh, down to Calc 1. So okay. uh, your pre-Calc, uh, Calc 1, uh, uh, and you had statistics counts. So, but sure. with the degree, according to our state law, mm -hmm. uh, it's approved. Good. So once it's approved, uh, the, the individuals will be able to uh, indicate they have a, a degree and they can sit for the exam. For our listeners to go find more information about your program, where, where can they go? Where, where, you have a website you can throw out to us? Oh my gosh, website. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> uh, well, put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, but, I, it, but, yeah, uh, yeah Southern Illinois uh, University at Edwardsville, uh, in Edwardsville, Illinois. Uh, you can contact uh, the chair of the department, uh, John Cabbage, uh, and or myself. Great guy, too. Yes. Uh, and Bill, our, a heavy supporter. Uh, we do have, uh, actually, uh, three professors there. So the program is solid uh, as I work to my retirement. And then soon, and that's why I'm going to put a plug in. We will be looking soon in the next couple of years for someone to take my place. And I'm a full-time uh, instructor there. Uh, so it is an opportunity for someone in our profession that might be able to come in and, and uh, hopefully have the same passion that I, I've tried to have. Oh. Uh, for this. Well, that's a high bar. Well, thank you. That's a high bar. But no, I, and uh, well, I, I see you stepping back. I never see you stepping away. So um, well, that's, that's, I don't think that's in your DNA, but that's, but yeah, at some point in time, you deserve a, a chance to, to retire a little bit. Well, the goal was to uh, get this degree and I need to see it through. So I, 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 I feel that I got to be there a couple more years. Uh, but the idea is, is that we all need to promote the program. That means that I'm going to continue to go to workforce uh, opportunities in different areas uh, to tell students about it. And I'm hoping that the people that are listening to this will start doing the same thing. 
visit their high schools, uh, go to workforce. Uh, there's different uh, opportunities out there that we can demonstrate what we do and let the kids know. Um, uh, that's going to be our future. And exactly. so we need to step up to that. Well, you know, they always say, you know, you lead by example. Well, you provided a fantastic example. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule here, trying to trying to drum up some more students from, uh, from the surveyors here at uh, Missouri's. Um, but, uh, well, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you all that you've contributed to, like I said, what I've seen from Illinois, and I know you've been uh, been busy in a lot of places, so uh, we appreciate all of your efforts all of these years, and we look forward to that four-year land surveying degree out of out of Edwardsville. I appreciate it, Tim, and I, you know, congratulations on your being the executive director. You well deserve that. Oh, uh, it's exciting that we have someone from Illinois <laughs> uh, in the National Society. Uh, and we should all be thankful for that because th that brings a lot of things back home. Uh, and as our representation, as you're representing us and the rest of the, the country, so yeah. Yeah, surveyors. Well, and I think that's one common thread that I think, the, to me, the profession needs to, 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 to not necessarily wake up and realize, but really get a little more energized is together we can do more and we need to do more. Uh, to continue this great profession. Yeah, you know, come out of that shell. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, here from St. Louis, um, stay tuned because we've got, uh, we're still on the road. Uh, we've got uh, fall business meetings, uh, for NSPS fall business meetings coming up from Tulsa. Uh, we're going to have a show from uh, Essen, Germany and the, and the Intergeo uh, technology show and a few more surprises in the, in the coming week. So hit that like button and uh, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor. <laughs>